Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hello and welcome back to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast. I'm Rachel Moss, Metro's lifestyle editor, and shortly I'm going to be joined by author and journalist Tanis Carey. Today we'll be chatting about anhedonia, which is the reduced ability to feel pleasure. But before that, we've been hearing from you, our listeners, once again, We've been getting you to get in touch and share with us how you've been looking after your mental health this week. I have to admit, I have personally done an absolutely terrible job this week, which I think is also important to say sometimes. I have said yes to too many things. I have not left myself enough time for the joy and the fun things, although I did manage to squeeze in a dance class on Monday evening, which always makes me feel a bit happier. So I'm very excited this week in particular to have a reset and uh, yeah, listen to how your weeks have been going for a bit of inspiration. One of my mental health hacks is to have a change of scenery. So whether that's going to a different room, going outside um, and even having a walk. So this week I'm focusing on eating really lovely, healthy food. It brings me joy and it makes me feel good. So obviously, why not? Um, I'm planning loads of healthy dinners and then some sweet treats kind of sprinkled during the week as well. I think having things to look forward to and then the structure just kind of keeps my mind in order and keeps me happy. We're now joined by Tanith Carey, who's a mental health journalist and author of the book Feeling Blah, why anhedonia has left you joyless and how to recapture life's highs. Tanif, thank you so much for joining us today. So first things first, can you please explain what is anhedonia? And please, for the love of God, tell me if I'm saying that incorrectly. 
Um, am I saying it correctly? And what is it? Um, yes, no. So it's said as it's spelt, which is handy. And anhedonia is the loss of enjoyment in things that you used to love or finding it really, really hard to feel joy. And it's not actually a new word. It was actually sort of um, invented in about 1897 by a uh, French psychiatrist, psychologist, and he um, identified it in a paper he was writing. But in and out after that, it's become more of a kind of clinical use. So like psychiatrists and psychologists and brain researchers will know what anhedonia anhedonia is. But um, I thought it was really interesting that the general public, the general reader, even people who think they know a lot about psychology and self-help actually haven't heard this word before. And I do think that it's time that we address the middle ground in mental health, which is, is what I feel anhedonia is. Mm, yeah, because it's, it's different from depression, right? So even though it's feeling without joy, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're depressed. Yeah, absolutely, Rachel. So it can be a symptom of um, depression. It is on the DSM-5 of um, something that you could struggle with. It's one of the things that actually makes depression really difficult to overcome because it means that you're uh, losing your motivation to do things that would make you feel better. But what I discovered during writing the book was it's also, um, there's a lot of research on it as being a standalone condition. So you could be functioning, you could be getting up, you you could be kind of looking okay to the rest of the world, you could be going to work, you could be going through the motions, but you actually wouldn't be feeling a lot of joy or inner emotion or you just would you would just be kind of feeling on the outside of life it would be like looking at the world through a glass window um, or sort of steamed up window or just not being entirely present not being able to feel the full range of emotions I mean and that includes sort of you know sadness and as well as happiness so you could feel blocked like zombie like kind of burnt out but basically what uh, anhedonia often is, is it's like an emotional flatlining. So you're just not experiencing the full way of range of emotion and particularly joy. And that's what most people notice most. Mm, yeah. So what prompted you to start exploring this, like particularly in your own life? Yeah. So I think that anhedonia is very much something that's um, more, becoming more prevalent in the modern world. I mean, in the modern world, we have the things that we think we want. We get them more we get our needs met more easily we live in a convenient society convenience society um we um most of us have a roof over our head most of us have enough to eat but yet as can the convenience society uh, becomes more prevalent why is it that our mental health is going down i mean it's almost in free fall which considering that you know the whole of um you know the modern world is predicated into towards things that are supposed to make you happy what exactly is going wrong here? So I noticed it myself when um, I'm an author and I had a call from my agent and she said that I'd got this book deal that I'd been waiting for. And I could feel myself on the phone say, oh, that's great. That's fabulous. Oh, yeah, brilliant. You know, but as I put the phone down, I realized I didn't feel any actual joy. You know, I just felt like, oh, this is just one more task for my to do list. And I, I don't, and I realized that I wasn't alone in this. And I, I kept thinking about this. And I, one night I went in search of this feeling because I, the, once I kind of isolated that, I kind of noticed it more and more. You know, I love Christmas, but even on Christmas Day, I couldn't really enter into it. Or I'd be at a party and everyone seemed to be having a good time, but I always seemed to be on the outside. Or, you know, I just didn't really seem to be able to kind of enjoy my life, even though I was sort of rushing through the tick box of things that you were supposed to have achieved. 
So I realized that probably wasn't wasn't alone. Then I went in one night, I tell the story in the book where I was sort of, you know, because anhedonia also feels like a guilty secret because obviously we live in a world where people might be a lot worse off than us. They might have a lot more severe mental health difficulties. And so we tend to kind of keep it like a little bit of a, a guilty secret. We think, oh, well, what have I got to moan about? You know, I'm not depressed and I'm functioning. So one night while my partner was asleep beside me, I sort of guiltily Googled it. And I was like, why aren't I enjoying my life? And then up it anhedonia. And then I looked further, and I mean, I'm a health and psychology sort of like journalist. So I just I was like, well, you know, why why is it that like no one's talking about the middle ground? You know, we're talking about happiness and joy at one end, and you know, despair and depression at the other. But like the middle ground, the grey area is where most of us are living. But why aren't we talking about that? So I just really felt that anhedonia is the missing word in our mental health conversation. And, you know, I, I think we could say, oh, okay, well, we should be like happy and not depressed. But actually, you know, we're not actually flourishing. We're not at our most creative when we're in anhedonia or blah. You know, it could take, it could take one more stressor and that could tip you over the edge into burnout. You know, and also you're not really enjoying life. You're not spreading that. Say if you have kids, you know, if you have a partner, you're not spreading that around, around you. We're just living in a kind of zombie-like state, you know, not really. And no, I think what the world needs now is people who can live up to their potential and not just be kind of surviving, which is what a lot of us are doing. Absolutely. Yeah. So interesting there. You mentioned like tick box and you had all the kind of pillars of success fulfilled. I'm wondering, is it because we've got such, I guess, rigid ideas of what success looks like and what we should be achieving? Do you think that is also maybe impacting people's mental health? Like how, you know, if you've got those things and then you don't feel fabulous, what next? Is that is that a big factor in it? So, I mean, over the last sort of 40, 50 years, we've been told, particularly in a capitalist model, that this is what we're supposed to want. But yeah, you know, we're living a life still often lost and without meaning. And I think that's why we're seeing kind of the great resignation and tick people resigning their, jo their jobs on TikTok and, you know, wanting to retire early because they realise is that sort of having those material needs met is not enough to get your emotional needs met. And often we're living in a world that is so incredibly stressful, like whether it's from work or it's from social media or it's from news alerts. And, you know, this means that our cortisol level or our stress hormones are all always raised. They never get a chance to reset. And, you know, and I do a lot of I look at a lot of neuroscience in the book and I spoke to some of America's top neuroscientists on joy. And, and what I realized was that's like the impact that cortisol has on our dopamine and serotonin. It basically means that it dampens them down. And the thing about cortisol is that once it spikes, say you get an email from your boss saying you're behind with a deadline, it it doesn't go down right away. It, a, a cortisol spike stays in your body for an hour, whereas a dopamine spike will stay in your body for five minutes. So you see there's a dramatic imbalance here. Um, and so a lot of us are just feeling completely overwhelmed a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. You spoke to some amazing experts in your book. And one of the bits I was really fascinated by was the hormones and in particular women's hormones and how they may be a contributing factor to having this feeling. Um, I'm a journalist who specialized in women's health for years. So I have a real bee in my bonnet about there's not enough research about women's health still, why all the studies tailored to men. Um, for those who haven't read your book yet, tell us a bit about what you discovered and why hormones in particular for women might play an extra factor in experiencing this feeling? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's been a bit of a taboo subject, but I mean, I think that, um, you know, because people, people didn't want to sort of say that women were kind of like their moods were sort of more related to their hormones. But I, I think the neuroscience and the endocrinology shows that, you know, there are clear fluctuations in um, basically how um, hormones affect mood over the course of not only the month, but also the lifespan. Um, so one of the things I discovered was that estrogen has a very clear knock-on effect on uh, dopamine and serotonin. And also, as we head towards menopause, um, basically estrogen buffers cortisol. So that as our cortisol, and this is not actually just in, in menopause, but over the course of the month. So as our estrogen starts to drop, then our cortisol or our stress hormones become more exposed. So we feel less able to cope, more anxious, all these kind of things. So, you know, I think simple awareness of our cycles and our hormonal uh, fluctuations over the lifespan are really going to help with us. And also, it's not just women. You know, I think that uh, hormones don't don't fluctuate in men quite as much. But like, you know, over the lifespan, you know, um, a drop off in testosterone will also have an effect on happiness hormones. As ha sorry, happiness chemicals like uh, dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. So, you know, I think with this book, you know, it's all about awareness. I think that um, what's interesting about the life of the world we live in is like we, we kind of think that if we tick all these boxes that miraculously are going to be happy or something's going to make us happy. But the point about this book is that like modern life doesn't make actually make happiness an easy state to achieve. So we have to start understanding how happiness is made in the brain, what can affect it and use that kind of neuroscience and that endocrinology to push back. Because otherwise we're still going to continue this free fall. Absolutely. Yeah. You can really get trapped in a cycle, which kind of brings me to the big question I have for you on this. How do you get out of that cycle? Because there will be so many people listening to this, I think, like nodding along going, yep, yep. Feeling the lack of joy, feeling the pressures, feeling the burnout, modern society pressures and all the rest of it. But they're there. You can't get rid of social media overnight. You can't get rid of work overnight, especially in the current economic crisis. So what do, what do you do? Absolutely. So the whole third of the book is is devoted to being a toolkit for like, because, you know, not everybody's anhedonia has the same causes. So, you know, I, what I wanted to do was present an, ed, an evidence-based kind of selection of things that people could cherry pick for their lives. I mean, the first thing is that like, even if you don't buy the book or you just listen to the conversation, the first thing you have is awareness that there is a word. Blah is a state of being. It's not just you. It shouldn't be the status quo. Um, life isn't supposed to be there. You can do something about it. So just awareness of your emotional state and that it's in your control. I think also what I learned, because obviously in my journey out of Antidonia and talking to all these amazing neuroscientists and looking at all the research, was that um, creating mood states is more in your control than you realize. So, you know, for example, you, you uh, raised the um, example of social media. So social media is great for getting short-term dopamine hits, but it's also very... Um, powerful at really depleting your serotonin because serotonin is a neurotransmitter of um, um, status. So every time you go on LinkedIn and you see someone, your colleague has got a fabulous new job or a friend of yours has got 500 likes on their latest picture and you've got five, you know, your serotonin will goes down. <laughs> so I think a lot of it is about thinking about the inputs that you feed your brain so, for example, you know, with social media, social media is not going to go away, but I think that we can use it for the good. We can curate our experiences. We can notice. I think a lot of this is about interception. It's about noticing 
feelings and emotions as we feel as, as we experience in the experience experience them and then doing something about it so for example my social media if i if i i only follow accounts that i feel educate me or make me feel good and i don't think that's denial i think that's just basically feeding my brain better inputs as well um i think also like one of the things i talk about in the book is um concept of spark and spark is something that we all have inside ourselves we probably did it as kids it's an activity or a talent or something we're naturally drawn towards it might be kind of you know, looking after animals or counselling your friends or, you know, giving advice or gardening or art or, you know, fashion. It could be any of those things that you are naturally drawn to. And to basically just find time for more of those. I mean, one of the great um, tools against uh, anhedonia is something called behavioural activation. And that is doing something that you enjoy, even if you don't feel it in the moment until the enjoyment comes back. So I think if you identify what makes you feel good, and you might have known this, as I said, you know, like what extracurriculars did you do at school that you really loved? You know, what hobbies would you like to be doing if you had more time? And actually make a date with yourself to go back to those, even if it's just like an hour, an hour a week. So and it's also about not taking too much on. I I think that, you know, we tend to build up a lot of to do lists, but we don't take the tasks off those to do lists. So I think it's about also kind of curating what you how many tasks you're giving yourselves. And what you can reasonably drop or give to someone else, you know, without causing any problems. So I think it's about being putting some more boundaries around your time. I mean, the research shows that the happiest people actually have two hours of time to themselves a day. Now, that is a tall order, especially if you lived in some highly industrialized, busy work thing and you're a young person sort of getting on with your career. But, you know, I, I think with intention and an awareness of what makes you happy, you can start to kind of get better control over your experience, you know? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. People just listening to this won't be able to see me smirking, but um, (laughs) every time you mentioned to-do lists and things like that, I was like, hmm, yeah, probably probably need to take on less and um, tackle my own. I think saying yes to too many things is possibly um, one of my biggest, um, I wanted to say failures, it sounds quite strong, but one of my biggest challenges did you kind of discover what was at the root of your own um, feelings? Yeah. So I went on a really fascinating journey. Uh, one of the other things I discovered was like childhood. So in childhood, I had a very chaotic childhood in which like I, my parents had got divorced. They went in different directions all over the world. I was kind of pulled between this thing and that thing. And, um, you know, I learned quite early on that um, if I felt good, it might get taken away from me quite quickly. So basically, I internalized also, and there's another word for you called cherophobia, which is like fear of happiness. So basically, even when I was a grown up and I was completely safe, if I felt good, I was like, oh, someone's going to take this away from me. I can't trust this. I better almost distract myself from it or almost do something to ruin it. So that was one of my reasons. So what I do with that now is I become aware of that visceral feeling and I go, okay, you're safe now. You're grown up. You're in control no one's going to take this away from you. So that's sort of grounding techniques. Um, my other issue with the reason I was in Antonio because I was completely burnt out. I was completely burnt out. And I realised that now. I was I was so kind of dosed up with cortisol that, I mean, at the end of the day, I would just kind of lie in my bed, literally unable to speak. That's how bad I was. You know, but if someone had asked me one more thing, I would have just screamed. I was in burnout. So, yeah, burnout, I think, is a really big contributor to sort of, uh, you know, anhedonia, particularly sort of like, you know, gen millennials and gen x yeah definitely gen z rather sorry yeah and i think that we have to be aware of that and i I think that's why people are now making moves towards like 
no emails after work. You know, there's like that. There's a, there's a massive culture shift happening, and that's what this book is about. It's not just about anhedonia. It's about why modern life isn't making us happy and what we need to do about it. Mm, I guess like redefining success because you're not successful if you're lying in bed wanting to scream at the end of the day. I mean, how can we ignore the mental health statistics? It's terrifying. You know, and every every successive generation that gets wealthier is getting less happy. So we have to kind of say that's enough. You know, we can't keep passing this on down the generations anymore. So I think we have to take a really, really big picture look. Yeah, definitely. So you said at the start, you know, when you were in this real period of anhedonia, you were not really enjoying your career successes. You were maybe feeling a bit dull at parties, anything like that. Now that you've been on this massive, you know, voyage of self-discovery and book research, what does your life look like now? How has all of that changed? Right. So I, um, my life's totally changed. So anybody who knows me for old will say I was fairly intense, kind of serious, didn't crack a smile very much. Now I kind of, well, actually one of the first things I noticed when I came out of Anhedonia was that um, I've started to like brighter colours. You know, I started to smile more easily. I started to cry more easily. I just felt like my emotions were getting unblocked. Um, one of the things I also learned talk, talking to neuroscientists is that um, dopamine is not the molecule of re- reward, it's the, the molecule of anticipation. So that means it's really important to have something always to look forward to and make a date with it. So every week I have something in my diary that I actually really, really look forward to. Um, the other thing I've learned from the neuroscientists I spoke to was that joy is not one thing, it's actually three things. It's actually the anticipation, the appreciation in the moment, and also remembering it so you want to do it again. So I concentrate on each of those three phrase phrases. So as I said, I look forward to things. When I'm in them, I try and savour them without thinking about my to-do list or what else I have to do. And then afterwards, I remember them. So, you know, I, I, I hate to use the G word gratitude, but unfortunately the science is so overwhelming on it that I can't say that it's just mind-blowing what a difference gratitude can make. So, yeah, I mean, it's about sort of basically, you know, we all only have the same amount of time in the day, don't we? And obviously we can portion up slightly different. Obviously we'll have demands on our time. But at the same time, you know, we can make time to kind of put our mental health first. And then because if we don't enjoy life, I mean, it's just a bit of a dreary existence. Yeah. So it's about saying no. If you don't feel like you've got that time, because I'm sure a lot of people listening won't, it's about saying no to make it. Is that is that the solution? It's just saying no to things in order to make some time. I think a lot of people, that's a lot of people think I'd love to be doing all of these things for my mental health. But I just don't have the time. No, absolutely. I think it's about prioritizing. I mean, you know, I, I think that we can put some things to the fore and some things to the back. So, yeah, because, you know, if, if you're in a state of anhedonia, you can't give to other people either. You know, you can't like you can't spread joy. You know, you're not being your best self. You know, I, th- I think it's a sort of an act of self-care, which is actually good for other people. You know, I think it's good. I mean, you know, I think I, I also had to tell my partner that I'd been in anhedonia because otherwise it's very difficult to come out of anhedonia unless your partner's with you and then to make and then to commit to having more fun. I mean, who isn't going to kind of agree to that? So I think it's about just kind of just saying that fun is not frivolous. You know, enjoyment is not frivolous. It's just part of your it's just it is a it's just a massive act of self-care, really. Mm, I love that. Fun is not frivolous. What a great, what a great little nugget to take away with us. 
Um, you've given us so many insightful things already, but the final question for you is something we like to ask all of our podcast guests. And that is what is the one big lesson you've learned about your own mental health and what message would you pass on to our listeners? Um, that would actually be um, to take notice of my bodily sensations. Because I remember like I would be in the kitchen and my kids and my, my, my husband would be really happy and like around me and I just feel really uncomfortable. And I, one of the things that helped me um, get out of anhedonia was curiosity about that feeling. Like, why do I feel really uncomfortable here on my wedding day? I also noticed this. I was in this beautiful church. It was a gorgeous wedding. I had my gorgeous husband looking at me. He, his eyes were, he was weeping with joy. And I was just looking there. I was thinking, hold on, I'm not really here. I'm kind of disassociated. I'm like, I'm not fully able to kind of experience this. And again, I got curious about that. And that's, that's what led me to realize that as a child, I'd also learned to disassociate. And if you dissociate in childhood, that means you can also, you also dis disassociate in, in moments of like really intense emotion in adulthood too. So I think it's about interception. It's about like, okay, noticing how is this making me feel and why is it making me feel that way? And then being really curious because I, I think we're being kind of medicated by modern life into just kind of just to go into survival mode and just keep going and just keeping my head down and just kind of just get through the next day, get through the next day, get through the next day. So just really start to pay attention to those feelings. Amazing. I think so much of what you have said will resonate with a lot of people listening. Just thank you so much. That was great. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Thank you so much to Tanif for being our guest today on Mentally Yours. If you've been affected by anything you've heard on the podcast, please call the Samaritans on 116123. You can find us on our Facebook group, Mentally Yours, and on Twitter at, at MentallyYRS. Thank you all for tuning in and please don't forget to follow and review for more podcast episodes that are coming your way soon. Mentally Yours is produced by Pineapple Audio Production. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.